The views, comments, and opinions of the following program do not necessarily reflect those of Morris Media Studios, MorrisMediaLive.com, or its affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Good day. Blessed day, beloved. Welcome to Faith Without Borders. I'm your host, Pastor Calvin Sauls. It is a joy for me to welcome you with us today uh, as we uh, share or prepare ourselves to share in just uh, an exciting conversation uh, with uh, three mamas, black mamas, uh, who will be uh, reflecting you know, on our uh, 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 theme or themes we're going to touch on today. It is a Black Mamas Roundtable uh, because this past week we celebrated uh, Black Maternal Health Week and uh, we'll hear all about that. Uh, we'll hear about uh, the, um, uh, the Black Mamas um, Association. Uh, we'll hear about doulas. We'll hear about um, just everything that our uh, Black Mamas mm-hmm. are facing and uh, looking forward to getting into that and connecting it, connecting it with just what's been going on around the ongoing trauma that uh, uh, mothers, black mothers are facing uh, as it relates to uh, police brutality. Um, and so I uh, have some uh, exciting you know, uh, folk that will be joining us and really appreciate them. Uh, we, uh, we, we celebrate, you know, uh, black mamas because I had a black mama and uh, appreciate her. She is uh, an ancestor now. There she is, Annie Sauls. Uh, that's my black mama. And I uh, want to honor her uh, today because this coming week we're going to be celebrating her birthday. And so we just uh, appreciate her. Her spirit continues to live in us and through us. Uh, you know, as I roam the streets uh, here in uh, South L.A. and beyond, uh, many a time uh, I hear her voice, you know, uh, giving me, you know, which direction to go, as she always has. Uh, miss her dearly, love her much, and uh, we give God thanks for her life and her witness. She was the mama of eight children, and um, uh, I was the second last one. And so I uh, just uh, really uh, wanted to uh, lift her up and celebrate her as we prepare to remember her uh, this week. Um, uh, so, Mama Ani, love you and miss you. Um, uh, always, you know, our conversation will be, you know, uh, thought-provoking as well as uh, solutions-driven. We don't just like to bring up issues. We like to also connect these issues with 
solutions. Um, this is a, uh, a progressive platform, so we are very unapologetic about that because uh, of uh, everything uh, that we're going to be uh, talking about. But it is a platform where we just uh, uh, lift up uh, love, uh, hope, faith, and peace, you know, uh, not just for all of us here in Los Angeles, but around the country and indeed the world. And so we're looking forward to our time together. Uh, I'm going to uh, bring in our guest for today, three uh, uh, beautiful and powerful women uh, that's going to share with us. We're going to invite you to uh, check us out on, on, on Facebook uh, live, uh, and uh, we're going to be checking the chat and the feed there for any questions that you might have. And we are also live on uh, www.morrismedialive.com, so you can uh, pick us up there as well for our time uh, together. So let's, uh, without further ado, let me introduce uh, our guests. They are no strangers to Faith Without Borders. Uh, they are regulars here uh, because uh, they always bring enlightenment uh, uh, to a brother, and I really appreciate that, and I, and I know that you all are going to be enlightened as well and blessed by what they will be sharing, you know, uh, with us today. Let me uh, 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 lift up first and foremost Jan uh, Robinson Flint, my uh, sister. She's the founder and executive director of Black Women for Wellness, uh, doing extraordinary work there, and I'm glad to be uh, uh, a part of that posse and uh, part of the work that they're doing there, uh, not just a huge fan, but supporter and uh, a participant uh, in that. So Jan, welcome, welcome. Uh, good to see you. And uh, then uh, let me lift up uh, Ajua Jones, uh, who I'm going to ask her to tell us about her title because, you know, uh, every time I talk with Ajua, uh, she corrects me on her title. So I'm going to you know, give her the honor of, you know, of, of, of sharing her title in a few minutes. Uh, but let me lift up uh, uh, also uh, Dr. Kamani Norrington-Sands, uh, who is a um, uh, psychologist and just doing extraordinary work. Uh, I met her first when I went uh, to a workshop uh, around um, suicide in the black community. And I um, uh, just uh, uh, was, was very much uh, um, grateful for all of the knowledge uh, that she imparted on us, you know, uh, that, that day. So uh, we've been um, connected ever since, and so glad to have her. Uh, she does extraordinary work uh, as she, you know, uh, facilitates, you know, uh, mental health, you know, uh, for so many, uh, and she's also... Uh, the founder, you know, of her own consulting firm, Lifting As We Climb. And uh, check her out on Instagram. Uh, she posts uh, every day, all day. Well, not all day, mm -hmm. but every day, uh, inspiration, uh, direction, affirmation. And so uh, really, I enjoy checking out her, her IG, you know, uh, page and, and looking forward to, uh, to her contribution today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you. And uh, let, let, I want to start with Ajua. Uh, Ajua, why don't you just, you know, uh, I know, you know, I, I put something on the fly, yeah? and then, you know, you text me and corrected me there, in love, of course, you know. <laughs> but I know it's because of the, um, just the intricacies of the work that you're doing at, you know, uh, um, L.A. County Health Department, especially as it relates to, 
you know, maternal health and how it's organized. So we want to make sure we get it right. So good morning and uh, uh, enlighten us, you know, uh, oh, and then we'll great get Great morning. <laughs> great morning, Pastor Stiles. Um, so, yes, my title within the Department of Health Services, currently I am Associate Director of Regional Collaboration for SPA 6 with um, Department of Health Services. And then for this um, work within the AIM initiative, I am the visionary for the African-American Infant and Maternal Mortality Community Action Team, mm -hmm. um, but and the co-lead of the South LA, South Bay AIM CAT. So um, that's the acronym uh, for African-American Infant and Maternal Mortality Community Action Team. And most recently, a... CLES, which is a certified lactation education specialist, and doula, which is supporting, in, in my role, I'm supporting um, the other doulas and, you know, um, birth workers. That's what we're calling each other at this point and calling those that are involved in this work as birth workers as well, beyond the clinicians and the physicians. Um, okay, so great. That's, All right, that's, that's helpful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, nope. When I was at the home of United Methodist Church, I was introduced to uh, to doulas. I, I never, uh, you know, uh, I heard about uh, doulas, mm -hmm. and I'm fascinated by that. So you tell us more, you know, uh, about uh, about that. Let's uh, let's start off. Uh, we'll continue with Ajo and then I'm going to ask Jan to jump in because I know the two of you work, you know, closely together, you know, mm -hmm. uh, around, you know, uh, the, the the work uh, with Black Mamas. Uh, there is an, an association. You know, uh, so maybe tell us about that and then uh, lead us into, you know, the uh, Maternal Health Week and, you know, the, 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 the purpose of that. Uh, we're going to, uh, uh, you know, show throughout our time together some of the flyers just of the uh, exciting events that took place, you know, uh, uh, this past week. So tell us about the association and then also, you know, um, the purpose, reason for um, the Black Maternal uh, health week. Ajua? Yes. Yeah, so um, in about 2018, well, 2018, we began to talk uh, within our department, um, primarily in collaboration with public health and mental health around the establishment of community action teams. And so the purpose was to, out of the six issues of focus within whole person care, um, me being uh, the lead in our team for maternal health, the purpose was to identify gaps in services and resources. And so the community action team, the vision that came to me around that was to establish a partnership between community and government, meaning um, the public health department or health services to address the issue of infant mortality. So we had been... Um, I don't know if many of you know, but LA County had had uh, the Black Infant Health Program, which is a state um, funded program to provide services to pregnant and parenting Black women throughout the state. And so LA County has an established program where they contract with agencies to provide um, like supportive services. So they have what they call SSE, and um, they also have some other uh, case management type of services to 
initially it was started to help prevent low term low birth weight and preterm pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And so in that ro- work that had been going on for almost 30 years, we had these high infant mortality. And so that program has been going on, but we had not looked at a real partnership in the community. It had been maybe like advisory uh, programs and such. And, and really to speak to that program, I would also recommend my colleague, Yolanda Rogers-Jones, who's been the coordinator with the county for over 19 years. Mm -hmm. And so in looking at what it had been, being one that had been um, a community health worker and perinatal health educator for the first program, which was Great Beginnings for Black Babies back in the 90s, I saw that we had not made a lot of traction and movement on reducing the rate of death for our infants in LA County. And at the same time, we were looking at like, Jan will talk about it. They brought um, this documentary called Death by Delivery, I believe in 2017 to the community. And we all saw it at um, CAM Museum, the California African American Museum. And what we were seeing then was this rise of maternal mortality. So black mothers were dying at high rates, uh, three to four times in California, three to four times that of white women. In New York at the time when we were looking at this film, it's 11 to 12 times higher. In different states, the rate is different, right? But the mere, the whole fact of the matter is black moms and babies were dying. And we were looking at what was the reason and the rationale. And at the time you started to hear public health officials, including Dr. Ferrer say, you know, one of the leading causes was racism. And so um, in looking at that, it felt like we needed to have a a larger um, partnership and engagement with our community. So that's really the impetus for the community action teams. And so we started with the community action team. Uh, The initiative itself was being built out within the county. So it is comprised of a larger body, uh, which is led by First Five and Department of Public Health for the LA County Countywide Initiative. And in in congruence with that are the community action teams. We now have four throughout the county. The county is comprised of eight service planning areas. And of the four, we have South LA, South Bay, which is combined. So that's two regions, which would be uh, service planning area six and eight. And then spa one is Antelope Valley, which is led by another one of my colleagues, um, uh, Katrina Sissom, with a black organization or two um, black women that are serving as support of that, um, the backbone support of those cats. And then you have Santa Clarita and San Fernando Valley are combined. So that's service planning area two. Mm -hmm. And then for three, San Gabriel Valley, which is um, led by, and I should say Cesar Sanchez is um, supporting in the leadership of that along with Marlene Roulette and a number of other Black organizations mm-hmm. are Black leaders within certain organizations like WIC and uh, some mm-hmm. of the other service planning, um, well, I should say pregnancy and parenting related programs in, in that area. And then you also have San, Santa Clarita Valley with Annette uh, Trejo and one of our sister partners uh, who's really taken a role in leadership is Nakia Fields, who is the um, director of Therapeutic Play Foundation. And so those are just the cats, but they're a, a larger body, which Jan and I both support and sit on the 
AIM Countywide Steering Committee, which is comprised of executive leaders and directors from mostly Black-led organizations, but there are organizations that are serving Black um, women and their families and their infants, uh, including Black men. And so that's just some of the work in which we're doing, and I'll pass the mic to Jan. But that started in 2018, and we have been moving along ever since. We And we can talk about more of the partners who've been involved in that and how we collaborated in April 2018 for the first Black Maternal Health Week, which this is the fourth annual. And yeah. so Jan can mm-hmm. tell you more about you know her partnership and how it came to L.A. Yeah, you, I yeah. see you think four years now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's how I was uh, counting. Was that four years now? <laughs> yeah, it was the fourth annual, yeah. Uh, Black Mamas Matter. We know that that uh, 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 you know, was part of what we rolled with this year, uh, Jan. Uh, and you know, uh, the, uh, the sub-theme there you know, was claiming our power, our resilience, and our liberation. You know, uh, and that, that was just so, so, so powerful as I was you know, looking through all the events and was able to tap into some of uh, them this past week. So do you want to just take it further by, you know, just sharing, you know, what is, you know, um, uh, you know, the the, disassociation, also the theme, which is a very powerful theme, because we know that the, you know, the relationship between black women, uh, 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 children is, is an integral you know, uh, relationship throughout the Middle Passage, right, Uh, as well as, you know, uh, since 1619, you know, uh, and in this country, and and, and that that legacy certainly in so many ways continue, and, you know, we'll we'll, we'll bring, you know, um, um, Dr. Norton Sands in on that, just provide some perspective, you know, uh, on that too, but uh, I know that, you know, Black Women for Wellness has always been at the forefront around just, you know, uh, making sure uh, that uh, our women, uh, our black women, our black mothers, you know, uh, and, and this whole piece around reproductive justice and now this past week the focus on, you know, our maternal health uh, is so, so critical for us. Uh, so you want to just uh, pick it up from there? So I'll, I'll jump in and, um, and I'll go in both ways in mm-hmm. terms of both forward and backward. Mm-hmm. The group that started um, Black Mamas Week is the Black Mamas Matter Alliance. And that started with Dr. Joa Query. And she is located between New Orleans and D.C., working on policy and really taking a national lens and putting it on the issue of Black maternal health and Black infant health. Mm -hmm. So she's a a OBGYN. So she really brought attention to it from a a physician's perspective, looking at what they're trained or not trained to do in medical school. So she's the person who started it. And because we're both community-based organizations, Black Mamas Matter Alliance, which is a coalition of community-based organizations, and Black Women for Wellness. It was one of those places where um, four years ago, we were able to begin to pick up this partnership and develop allies between county and community. And that's because, you know, Black women are, are working together for an inside-outside game on this. Mm-hmm. The other two names I want to make sure we bring into the into the mix are Catherine Hall Trujillo mm-hmm. and Lola Coleman. So Lola Coleman 
is no longer with us. She's an ancestor. She was a midwife in Los Angeles, and then she moved to Ghana. But basically, she just really made sure that Black women had options uh, other than a hospital birth and that um, we were able to, to experience our power and to have a healthy birth. Because the hospitals had an issue, and that issue is structural racism. So she was the person who opened the door for me to start thinking about natural births and start thinking about birth work before I learned anything about statistics or anything at all about um, the structural racism. It was just that feeling that I, you know, that you have when, you know, you're pregnant and you're like, "Mm, there must be a better way. So those are the two women, uh, Lola Coleman and Catherine Hall. And Catherine Hall started the birthing project. So the birthing projects, I think the slogan is the Underground Railroad to New Life. Mm -hmm. And what she created was uh, what she called them baby bunches. And she actually did this worldwide. Uh, And she would ask 10 women to mentor 10 expected women and to stay with them and be their sister friend until the baby was one years old. And that's our most vulnerable period from pregnancy until the baby is one years old. Mm -hmm. So now here we are in 2021 and we are able to to start talking about policy and bills that really look at that whole period of time. So Black Women for Wellness has been been working on this for 30 years, it feels like. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, In 2019, we had a bill passed called uh, the Dignity and Pregnancy and Childbirth Act. And that is really asking perinatal staff. And when I say perinatal staff, I'm talking about everybody from from the front line in community clinics to OBGYNs to nurse practitioners all of them to look at their implicit bias, which Mm -hmm. is what I call racism, but to look at and be trained around implicit bias. Now, this was supposed to happen starting in 2020, but we know something else happened in 2020. This year, Black Women for Wellness Action Project has a bill on the table, SB 65, and it is really asking to expand all of those services in terms of postpartum care, doula care, uh, to get uh, healthcare professionals or women who want to be midwives into school and be paid for. So we're looking at how do we really expand the systems where women go to have babies? How do we expand the personnel to be more inclusive of us with that? So uh, this year for, for Black Mamas Week, which was April 11 through 17. And I want to say it was some high highs and some low lows Mm. this week. Mm. So we started out the week. We had uh, Supervisor Holly Mitchell do a proclamation for Los Angeles County declaring this Black Mamas Week and declaring April 16th Black Infants Day. So the day of recognition of what's going on with Black infants. So that was wonderful in terms of the county is we have a champion with Supervisor Holly Mitchell. We have champions with uh, Dr. Ferrer and Dr. Allen. We have champions with Adjua in terms of some 
staff folks, and we have uh, a robust community involvement now. Mm -hmm. uh, what Black Women for Wellness did was we offered a number of different workshops. Uh, Kitchen Divas is our food preparation and cooking class. Mm -hmm. So we offered a number of workshops around breastfeeding, around what to eat while you're pregnant, and also one on fertility. Because one of the things we don't talk as much as we need to is about fertility and infertility in our community. Uh, and those were some of the high highs. There were more, there were more panel discussions. There were more food distributions. There was a ritual that we started out with last Sunday because we actually did start on Sunday and we can all talk about that. But we also had some low lows this week. Um, and, and it's one of those things where as a black mom, you, you're like, why am I doing this when my 13 year old child can be taken out? Hmm. Or when my 20 year old, you know, I got you to 20 and, 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 and now a police officer just takes you out because your tags weren't right or were they right or not. But so that's why I said we had some very high highs in terms of we had Kamala Harris and we had the Biden administration dedicate funding. We have public health that is. Uh, solidly behind. We have community that is robust and active and really taking on this issue, but we still have lives to work to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you're right about those highs and those lows. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> let, let's uh, focus just a little bit about what is the state of Black maternal health uh, as we you know, celebrate you know, uh, uh, black babies, as we celebrate who we are as, you know, uh, people. One thing that I uh, appreciate about uh, Black Women for Wellness is just this intersection, uh, uh, you know, uh, of culture, uh, of, of, of politics in terms of, you know, legislation and policy that needs to be done, uh, but also, you know, the, uh, the opportunity uh, to facilitate community, you know, uh, mm -hmm. because that's kind of how we how we become right is within community, and uh, and 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 that all kind of all these streams flow in together in uh, into uh, Black Women for Wellness. You know, uh, around that. So mm -hmm. I've always appreciated all of that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and making these connections. So with that, you know, what is you know uh, the state of Black maternal health? Uh, and uh, and at some point, Jen, I'm going to ask you to talk about the legislative pieces that we, you know, uh, tried mm -hmm. to, to 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 move through this week because we had a legislative day and there was a bill, you know, in the state legislature um, uh, mm -hmm. around that. So we'll, you know, you can give us an update on that too. And then, of course, you know, Friday having been, you know, uh, declared, you know, uh, in LA County as Black Infant Day uh, around that. Just give us a sense because. You know, uh, uh, until, you know, you all provided the numbers and, and helped me understand, you know, just what's going on, right? Hello, Marvin Gaye. You know, sometimes I think we just, you know, uh, uh, we just don't know. So, so just give us a quick sense of what is the state of, you know, um, um, uh, black maternal health. So, Pastor Charles, let's, let me say this. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason for us... Uh, for creating a community action team, right, was to bring in those grassroots organizations that are actually doing the work, right, that are working with 
um, black mothers that are working with black fathers that are working around saving infants. So um, we have this larger body and this larger collective. So when start first starting the community action teams, I went around to those that I had worked with in times past, like connecting with Jan uh, through our work and had partnered with her and participated in the Sisters in Control portion of Black Women for Wellness that has uh, developed annual reproductive health conferences for now. I, I don't know how many years are we are we 19 years into that? Uh, it's something like that, right? So yeah, we are 19 years in. We've been doing right. that. <clears throat> so every year there's a conference, but you know, for some of us that, and that's even how Jan and I met was when we were both working at Great Beginnings for Black Babies and she was working with one project and I was working within that project of Inglewood Healthy Mothers and Babies and she was assigned to work there. And so in a lot of that work, we built relationships like healthy African-American Fam, uh, families. So, you know, that was started by our ancestor, Loretta uh, Jones, whose yes. daughter now, Felika Jones, has taken on the organization and is doing a lot of work around, um, especially around research and mm-hmm. um, African-American organizations and getting us to learn research and partnering with uh, institutions like UCLA, so that we can have some established uh, partnerships in when we're seeking these fundings and services and supporting our work, <clears throat> working with programs like Cinemoms and as I mentioned, uh, the Black Infant Health Program, which is has Long Beach, Pasadena, and uh, those are the two cities that have a Black Infant Health Program, Long Beach and Pasadena, and then you have the Children's Collective Inc. And then um, there is another organization in Antelope Valley and pardon me, my, their name escapes me, but we started to pull in all these organizations. Kaiser, who has a community benefits program and the partnership and in, in start having these conversations to identify strategies around what are the issues, bringing clinicians in, bringing midwives, like we brought in Rasha Tahani Lawler, who is a, a known midwife, um, and when we first started in 2018, having these conversations, bringing in, as Jan mentioned, Dr. Allen, who's the Health Promotion Bureau Chief from Department of Public Health and leading in the AIM initiative, leading the AIM initiative work as part of the county for LA County and First Five. And so all of these folks coming together, including Winona Valentine of I Dream for Racial Health Equity, uh, Sonia Adam, who's the ED for California Black Women's Health Project. And we're bringing in a number of partners and then fathers, Mm -hmm. grandmothers. We have Win 1000 Grandmothers Pray uh, who said, hey, we want to become doulas or we want to learn more about this work. And being an pastors like National Action Network, the local chapter here, Reverend Mosley. And Reverend Mosley was showing up at every meeting, mm-hmm. holding, you know, holding up documentation for us, supporting in, you know, presentations, because he too was like, I didn't know this was going on. Mm-hmm. He had fathers coming home that had been in prison for years and finding out this information and leaving. I remember Derek Hill that works for Friends Outside. He said, I went home and cried. Because I then had to go back and tell my children's mother, like, I apologize. I didn't know all this was going on. I mm-hmm. wasn't aware. 
And so these conversations about what is what is our state of Black maternal health, the state is now with awareness, education, and knowledge, we have a community that is locking arms and saying, hey, this cannot continue in this vein. We cannot lose 4,000 Black babies annually, according to CDC. That's the approximate that we lose in, within the first year of life. We cannot afford to have us at risk of dying as it you know is shared in this article by lost mothers it's called lost mothers um and addresses the black infant and maternal health crisis but really focused on um the maternal health crisis that ProPublica put out a few years back and in that article it says like we're 22 percent more likely to die from heart disease 71 percent more likely to die from uh, cervical cancer but 243% more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications. So our state was pretty horrible and has still been horrific. We've had losses. We're having young women dying in their 20s going in and what appears to be, you know, uh, good health or having some health-related complications that have been not fully addressed, right? Mm -hmm. Or ignored when people are saying, I'm I'm feeling something is wrong with me. And I'll never forget the story of LaShondra Hazard, who was in, uh, she was on the East Coast and she was sitting in a clinic and she was saying how the, one side of her stomach was really bothering her. And she's in this clinic and she posted on her Facebook and she said, I'm literally in pain and I'm dying. By that evening, and she had said what she had shared with them. And they said, oh, you know, it's nothing wrong with the baby. You're going to be fine. By that evening, her and her fetus had expired. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to jump in right there and say two things. Okay. Um, one, what one of the things that that Black women work, is working on is data. Right. So when you ask, what's the status of, of mm -hmm. Black women? Mm -hmm. We don't have good data at this point in time. We have a lot of stories, mm -hmm. right? We have a lot of anecdotal stories. We have a lot of knowledge in our community, but we don't have the data. The data has not been published in California for the last 30 years, since 1989. So we are working on a data book uh, so we can tell you what the numbers are, right? And that is like extremely important right now because what we what we do have is the story but what we don't have are the numbers right right mm -hmm. so uh when black women for wellness does a program called sisters at eight mm -hmm. and about 75 80 women were coming to sisters at eight you know when things we met in person and at one point i asked the question how many women in this room had had a miscarriage or, le or lost a child. And every single woman in the room raised her hand. But that data is nowhere collected, right? And I was like, oh my, it was like, oh my God, it was one of those moments. And I was like, well, what are we doing as a community? How are we talking about this? And we don't have the rituals, the conversations, the ceremonies to really talk about this loss mm -hmm. in our community. Mm -hmm. um, when women suffer a miscarriage, folks, they suck it up, right? Or when they lose a baby, is there's no set of procedures. There's no healing for women 
or for families to really go through because this is a tremendous loss in our community and folks are doing it in isolation. Yeah. Right. So that's why I said we need numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I'm going to say is that what is really important, at least for Black women for wellness, but and why we work with county and why we work with researchers is because research, policy and program have to work together because we have to know that what we're doing, that our intentions uh, have good impact as opposed to adverse impact or unintentional impact. So that's why we're all working together to collect the numbers and the data, to implement the programs and to figure out what policy makes it real or what policy is needed. Um, I also wanted mm-hmm. to say that one of our sayings is trust Black women. Mm-hmm. And another saying is listen to Black women mm-hmm. because what is going on right now uh, from my understanding, up to 90% of maternal deaths can be prevented if only someone had listened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Sister Williams, you know, uh, talked about that during her pregnancy and basically just revealing that, you know, uh, that, that she wasn't listened to, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. during the, the, uh, the critical times of her of her mm-hmm. of her pregnancy she had to save her own life right and so if it, right. if it happens you know with a person you know uh, uh with that you know uh, prestige. Uh, status and prestige imagine uh, but she that's, had that's Rolls the... Royce insurance so it yeah. wasn't like she couldn't afford a treatment or a procedure mm-hmm. or that she should she should have gotten the attention that she needed yeah. and they should have well, listened she's a top to her. athlete right she's she's in the best mm-hmm. of health but mm-hmm. what we wouldn't have those expectations Right. Um, but it is like Janice said, the right. bigger issue is going unheard. And, right. and so even CDC in the midst of this, just last year, they created the CDC Hear Her campaign mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they know folks were not being heard. That CDC reports is 50,000 near preventable um, mm-hmm. maternal health issues or right. complications that arise that could lead to long term health issues, if not death. And so it is a matter of, like Jan said, we brought in, you know, we brought in folks from uh, when she was previously Senator uh, Holly Mitchell. We brought in folks from her office to be a part of this collective. Mm -hmm. We brought in folks from um, our former supervisor, um, Mark Ridley Thomas, my councilman now, Mm -hmm. folks from their offices and had them to be a part of this, knowing, letting them hear and see what we were doing. Right. So they would know the engagement and then they would be able to partner. The other thing we did was we had a four person team of which I, myself, uh, Diamond Lee, uh, Raina Granberry and Stella Klingman. So it was two county and two community at the right. time that joined this team. We were part of the Women's Policy Institute Fellowship and were the LA uh, local health justice team where we presented a, a motion and it was authored by Supervisor Hilda Solis and co-authored by mm-hmm. former Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas mm-hmm. to present a doula board motion. And that was passed in January 2020. And that was to look at what the expansion of doula services could be for Medi-Cal enrollees, for all pregnant mm-hmm. and parenting women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that is, you know, also put the impetus and we didn't say I didn't get to say there was also established in the midst of this 
a community doula program that mm -hmm. offers free services out of LA County for, um, and it's from through the Department of Public Health was initially funded by whole person care and then first five supported and now they have a home visitation program supporting that to provide free doula services okay. birth workers to african-american women throughout la county right and the first group doing that i will say this i have to give it to my health net sisters and partners uh christian slater and dr puja matal were um they provided the first um doula program um, services, which were free through their health okay. net uh, participants. And they so, ended up even expanding that throughout the county. Right. Um, so, 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 so you all are, you all are, my, my head is spinning here, <laughs> but it's good. It's a good spin. Uh, um, I, I want to ask a quick question because I do, I ask you this question uh, uh, just to help me understand. Uh, I'm going to ask this question and you can answer it quickly. And I want to try and kind of, connect the dots here uh, because because you'll have given us just a tremendous amount of valuable information. What is the difference, uh, layman's terms, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Now, I was, you know, brought into this world by a midwife, mm -hmm. my aunt, Aunt Susan, right there in yeah. the township of Cliptown. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she was like our community, you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. midwife because, one, we didn't have transportation. My, my parents didn't have transportation to get to the hospital. The hospital was too far because right. of how the apartheid system, you know, uh, uh, worked and with all of its, you know, um, um, uh, devilish intentions. Uh, so tell mm -hmm. us just the difference between doula and midwife. So a doula is non-medical, right? They are a birth worker and support that provides non-medical. So they do not deliver babies themselves. I mean, there are instances where there have been some doulas that have had to, before someone can get to the hospital, had to just stand in really quickly, mm -hmm. but it is not a medical uh, license at all mm -hmm. to deliver babies, right? But to be a support and advocate uh, for a mother and her family um, to really be there to listen through the birthing process, provide health education and awareness, and uh, speak to possibly, you know, supporting through visits to the doctor, even uh, the postpartum care, just like being there present. Sometimes it's just a, a listening ear, right? Sometimes it's also to advocate in situations where you have expressed what you want done mm -hmm. and you're not being heard. And so okay. to help, like sometimes maybe you have to reverb if you're there before we were able to be able to be president for mm -hmm. like, say the doctor's saying something and the mother wants something else, but maybe in that midst of time, you've forgotten that. So I may say something like, okay, well, remember we were talking and you mentioned X, Y, Z. And mm -hmm. so that would help to support that. Or, you know, even helping to bring, you know, supportive uh, arm, mm -hmm. wrapping that arms around the whole village, right? Mm -hmm. The family support, right. having that knowledge of sharing education about what to expect when it comes to postpartum depression, mm -hmm. helping the family to understand how real it is and relevant. Like Jan mentioned, like suck it up. Most people don't realize how serious postpartum depression is afterwards, right. how sometimes moms don't even feel that attachment mm -hmm. to their child afterwards. And some people need medication right. for and some people just need support okay. to go through that journey because it is, you know, it is something that you cannot, you cannot just ascribe that it can happen to you. It can happen to any woman. Okay. It can happen so, often in pregnancy and some women it doesn't. Right. Now the midwife is okay. a trained health professional mm -hmm. that actually 
Mm-hmm. Can deliver a baby, mm-hmm. right? Has been licensed to deliver babies, and some. And so we we would have to go on further into this because you have your uh, certified midwives, and then you have. Um, I forget. I don't want to misquote. You have lay midwives and you have certified nurse midwives. Ah. So basically you have, but the, the, the real difference is that midwives are medical professionals Mm -hmm. who have authority to deliver a baby. They also do well women care and doulas are cheerleaders, coaches, Ah. support personnel. Mm -hmm. So, and, and when that really, really made a difference, um, was this, this past year, um, when COVID hit in terms of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. right. The, it was interesting to see who got in the door to be a medical or a support person for a a laboring woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And doulas and partners were put on that expendable list. Like, no, maybe we don't need to bring them in, which we did. Right. right? Because a woman should not labor and give birth alone, period. Right. Um, But there is a hierarchy in the hospital. There's a hierarchy in the clinical setting and part of their hierarchy has, or that hierarchy has administrators who have no business on top, but there. Then you have OBGYNs. Then you have other medical personnel, nurses, midwives, et cetera. And then you have doulas. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's looking at, you know, who has authority and who has listened to in those medical settings. Mm -hmm. One of the things we need to do is to really just dismantle the system that we are working with now. Sadly, 99% of all births now are in the hospital. This is before 1950, 90% of all births were at home, Mm -hmm. right? So a home is a good place. A birthing center is a good place. We have medicalized giving birth and we need to take some of the medicalized or medicine out of it and let it go back to being a a natural process. Mm -hmm. Sadly for black women, we have so, so, so much stress, right? Mm -hmm. And the stress leads to medical condition. It leads Mm -hmm. to high blood pressure or preeclampsia. Mm -hmm. It leads to Uh, other types of things, diabetes, right, from Mm -hmm. all of this stress, which then medicalizes your birth or Mm -hmm. medicalizes your pregnancy. So that's one of the reasons why we absolutely have to really think about how do we dismantle the system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how do we dismantle the hierarchy in that system so when Black women speak, we are heard. Absolutely. When the people who are advocating for us say, no, that's what she said, that they are heard in the event that we are not heard when we say what we need. Yeah. And well, we, and I think we, that's part I, of SB 464, uh, which was the Pregnancy and Dignity and Childbirth Act that Jan mentioned that uh, Supervisor Holly Mitchell, along with Black Women for Wellness, um, put forth, and a lot of us went and supported and lobbied for, was to look at the implicit bias and the racism in the in the system and how it can then be addressed and how do we change what uh, systems that have impacted us mm-hmm. and our outcomes, our pregnancy and birthing outcomes. How do we further partner together, right? So that 
um, Black women have choices, right? There are choices. The birthing center is a choice. The plenty, and we know this to be true, um, our counterparts, white women have been birthing at home a long time themselves as well. And they having doulas. Right. They've had options. They had doulas before folks knew to have a doula or what a doula was. So this is not, you know, something that just black people are creating. We're saying we've been a part of this. We've been a part of it. And that's some <laughs> of the work we do in the AIMCAT is to do some racial and historic grounding. The historic grounding in the fact that we were the ones here in this America birthing, right? We were required to birth the other slave women's children, to be granny midwives, to be wet nurses. And a lot of those wet nurses were breastfeeding the master and Mrs. children at the expense of their own. And right. so we have to talk about what is our history here in America. And then okay. also, what does that partnership look like with providers okay. so that even the doulas can, you know, if you can't bring someone into the hospital as they weren't able to then, but you can be on the phone so someone can hear and partner mm -hmm. in what you're, you know, what you're being told, what you're receiving. Right. And so, um, so, so that, 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 I mean, that is connecting the dots is going to be critical for us to be able, you know, uh, to do it. And, and, and let me, let me see how I can just pull it together. Cause I, and, and Jen, you know, provided a, a good bridge for us in terms of, you know, how does all of, you know, um, um, these, you know, challenges, you know, impact the health of, you know, uh, a woman, mind, body, you know, uh, uh, spirit, emotions, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, we need more data because, you know, we're grateful that we have an administration now that respects data, right? Uh, and I'm actually a little disturbed, Jan, that we don't have that much data in California, you know, uh, uh, which, you know, uh, uh, proclaims to be a, a, a progressive state. So I'm, I'm just very disturbed, you know, uh, even by, by that. But some of the data that I heard this morning, which is very alarming, you know, 4,000, you know, uh, uh, black babies, you know, uh, that, we, uh, uh, that we're losing, you know, every year, uh, that a, a black woman is 243% more likely to die at childbirth. I mean, 243%. Uh, I mean, that is just, you know, uh, alarming. Uh, uh, the fact that, you know, research, policy, and programs, we've got to look for uh, ongoing alignment and close collaboration uh, between, you know, uh, all of this. Uh, and with it all taking place at birth, right, uh, we still having to deal with, you know, uh, the neck, you know, uh, of, you know, uh, uh, police officers. I mean, the knees, you know, on the necks of the knees of police officers on the necks, right, of the right. children of black mothers, sure. right? Right. You know, and, 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 and yeah, and 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 the calling out of uh, mama is fascinating to watch yeah. this trial which is we, we're not surprised because it's all about you know um you know do atrocious acts you know um you know um, um against you know uh, black folk and then blame black folk for that and that's kind of how the defense mm -hmm. plays out but the defense is following the script of america itself in terms of how mm -hmm. it functions you know and then you know uh we're dealing uh, of course with 
you know, uh, Tamir Rice's mom, who wants to open up that case, 13-year-old, you know, uh, that was uh, shot. Uh, we're dealing, of course, with Dante Wright, you know, uh, and his mother, and she's clear. She said there will never be justice, you know, uh, for us in this because, you know, uh, Dante, we cannot bring Dante, you know, back. All we want is 100% accountability. And then, of course, you know, uh, that is ter- was, was termed accidental, Right. Uh, Adam Toledo, Chicago. Uh, I heard the president of the uh, police union there, you know, uh, call that officer heroic, you know, in terms of uh, uh, his his actions. So 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 that is so 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 our, our black mothers are caught in between all of this. And this trauma, you know, creates a, a, a very, very volatile, vulnerable, you know, a state you know, uh, for black mothers. And that's why I'm so appreciative of, you know, uh, um, uh, what happened this past week. Uh, and we're going to show some of the, you know, flyers so that folk can just kind of get a sense of what happened this past week with just a powerful programming, but also the work that goes on around policy that uh, that, that, that both Jan and Ajua refer to. I want to bring in, you know, uh, 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 Dr. Kimani Noyton-Sands to just, you know, Having heard all of this now, you know, uh, your sense, you know, uh, Dr. Norton sense, you know, um, uh, as one who is in the, the field of, you know, um, uh, mental health and wellness, you know, uh, what's your sense about how do we, you know, you know uh, approach this? How do we deal with it? And, and what's actually going on, you know, uh, around the impact of it on you know, uh, the, uh, uh, um, the emotional, uh, 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 mental, uh, uh, as well as the physical health, you know, of black mothers. And, and really glad we have three black mothers here, you know, uh, that can really, you know, speak from, 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 from personal experience. So, uh, Dr. Dr. Norrington Sands, do you want to just, you know, share some thoughts, you know, yeah. around, you know, all that we've talked about now and, um, uh, and just, um, uh, guide us through, you know, uh, yes. some of this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to thank you, Pastor Sauls, for inviting me to be a part of this esteemed panel. Um, and yes, I am a Black mother as well. Um, and just to acknowledge, you know, as um, Jan said, that this has been a very trying week for all of us, all Black people, and particularly Black mothers, um, in terms of the thought of, you know, what is it like to be a Black mother and have that ongoing fear about the safety and well-being of our children. So that's the ongoing issue that all Black mothers, you know, have to deal with, unfortunately. Um, and I do want to acknowledge also that I really appreciate this conversation, not only because of centering the experience of Black mothers and Black children, but also because there's, the, there's information about the state of what is, and there's a conversation about forward movement, right? Because sometimes what happens is that we focus only on what's happened, but we also need to focus on how we are mobilizing and how we're advocating and how we're fighting, right? So I so appreciate hearing about all the legislative work and partnerships and collaborations. The other thing I'm very much encouraged by is what Jan talked about in terms of systemic racism within the health field, right? We know systemic racism permeates all of our systems, right? So I've, I've been working more so in terms of the educational system, but we know it's everywhere. And so we have to dismantle the systemic racism wherever it is, right? So healthcare everywhere. 
And so that's very positive to hear in terms of implicit bias training. My hope is that there is an embracement of not only training, but ongoing support and consultation and accountability. Because what happens when we have trainings like that, they'll just check it off like, oh, we went to the training. Nobody pays attention. Nobody does anything. Nobody's held accountable. So that's my hope. And, you know, there was a discussion already about the level of stress and trauma that we as Black women experience our, just our day-to-day, right? Just in terms of, just think about what's happened this past year in terms of what we've been exposed to in terms of collective trauma. Now, this past week, it has been magnified. So when we think about what it's like to function in this world as a Black woman, as a Black person, as a Black mother, you are being bathed, we are being bathed within stress every day all day, right? So our bodies are being bathed within cortisol. And I'm not a medical doctor, but I can assume that if you're bathed within cortisol all the time, that is taking a toll on your body. And if you are holding, you know, if you are nurturing a baby, how is that cortisol then being transmitted to your baby? How is that impacting your baby's health? And then how is that then impacting your health? So I absolutely, absolutely love the suggestions given in terms of how are we supporting Black mothers throughout the process, right? For those mothers who have lost a pregnancy, you know, what support are we giving for not only the mother, but the community? Um, And how are we raising awareness of this issue? I didn't know these stats either. So how are we raising issues within our community? And how are we giving the tools for how do we advocate, right? Because a lot of times you're like, oh, that's messed up. But then it's like, gosh, there's so many things that are messed up. I don't even know what to do. What are the next steps? So I really appreciate hearing about this and just wondering in terms of how do we share this information to the Black community so that more of us are aware of what's happening and so that we can advocate. And then, you know, in the mental health field, you know, that's definitely something that we need to recognize and understand too. So we can support Black mothers and Black families as well. So just in terms of recognizing the trauma and stress and the profound impact that can have. Um, and even thinking about once you have the baby, you know, what is it like in terms of trying to do the day to day and you're still confronted with all this stuff, right? And so doulas, it sounds like that's a protective factor you know, as women are pregnant and as they deliver that first year, we have to also think about what circles of support do we provide mothers ongoing, right? So even when they're five or the kids are five or six, you know, what opportunities do we have within our communities for support for Black mothers? And I want to say also for mothers raising Black children, because sometimes they may not be Black mothers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. And 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 there was a program this past week uh, I have to uh, mention with uh, 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 black fathers, and and we'll do uh, a program. Uh, we'll probably pick that one up in, uh, in in June, you know, around Father's Day, to kind of talk about the role of fathers. And we'll have a, a you know all father you know panel you know uh, with several of our organizations you know that are providing support for you know uh, our fathers, and we can look at. You know uh, what all what all, what all that means. Um, uh, let me you know uh, ask you know Jan Ajua, based on where we are right now, uh, and as we 
you know, uh, we've we've we, we brought focus this week to the challenges around maternal health, you know, uh, and this, you know, uh, invitation, you know, uh, that I also lift up around just ongoing awareness raising. And that's going on, you know, because I wouldn't be uh, where I am and I'm, you know, I'm still learning, you know, uh, every day around all of these issues and appreciate the fact that I have access to individuals like yourself where I could just send you a quick note if I see or hear something and don't know what it is. Uh, I just, you know, uh, send uh, an email or text to you and say, can you just quickly explain this to me? Because I just heard this or I just saw this uh, around it. You know, with all of that, you know, uh, what uh, I know there's this documentary, you know, uh, 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 that you mentioned, you know, uh, that I, I found very, very fascinating around, you know, death by delivery. Uh, which right. probably can provide some, uh, we may need to try and, you know, hook up a screening or something around that. But what are some other ways that we can raise awareness, you know, uh, around, you know, the challenge that we are facing, you know, as we pave a path forward, you know, uh, towards reversing, you know, uh, what's happening around uh, black maternal health? So first, let me say, um, and thank you very much, Dr. Kamani, for bringing that up. And thank you, Pastor Stiles. So uh, one of the things I want to first respond to the issue around what you said with the stress and weathering, right? But also when I was going through the doula course, um, Dr. Saida Pepper brought up this uh, thing that I wasn't aware of, of how the stress reduces your brain size over time, right? So we don't even look at that, how that could even lead to things like Alzheimer's and, you know, memory loss and such. And so looking at that, but if we're switching back to what is being done, that is the goal and the purpose of the community action teams, to bringing together partners in this work, to acknowledging the issue, but also coming up with solutions and interventions. And a lot of the organizations, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but a number of organizations have been supported uh, financially, given grants and opportunities as a result of the development of some of these community action teams. Um, right now, Black Women for Wellness is one of our is our backbone support, and they too were part of in this work. It was identified when we first started that the community action teams would need backbone support. So there's a foundation that funded backbone support for um, the South LA South Bay AIMCAT, and then also for AV AIMCAT. The other thing is that we have parents that are getting involved and sharing their story. We, Jan and I did a podcast and we shared the story of Chanel, which is, you know, really her daughter, Belle, and the loss of her infant. And how do we bring together supportive services so that she is one that can share where she's been uh, provided grief and uh, loss support. Also, you know, connection with various providers that could also help folks in their preconception planning if they decide to give birth again. Or we, you're right, in our community, we don't acknowledge those who really, we've never seen how many losses they've had, and maybe they're never, ever were able to carry a child to full term. How do we support them? And so that is the application of part of the community action team, fathers. Uh, one of the things when we first started, I brought a fatherhood, uh, a fatherhood engagement, like coordinator leader, um, LaHenry Solomon to this work. And so LaHenry created the Black Daddy Dialogue program within our AIMCAT. And that was one of the first, you know, uh, community forward facing, uh, actionable 
support groups that we were able to have. And he's been leading that for over a year. The county just hired for the AIM initiative, a fatherhood coordinator, right? So there's going to be more engagement. Last week, there was a powerful offering from our community action team, our family-centered models of care work group, where they had a panel of home visitors. They had a male doula who was his sister's doula. How he got involved was his sister was pregnant and he became her doula. And then, so you have men that are becoming doulas as well to support their family members and our community. And then you had conversations with a family, um, a couple who had experienced this uh, during COVID, the birth of their daughter and what that experience was like along with the support of their doula, Felicia Francis Edwards. So we have these partnerships and we have this engagement. We have hospitals and plans that are involved from Kaiser to HealthNet to Blue Shield, Anthem Blue, you know, all of those that are coming together mm -hmm. to see what do we do to address racism, its impact, the implicit bias, the collection of data? Doulas have, we have to collect uh, data for the doula program in order for it to, and evaluations in order for it to continually be funded. Um, even though there are states that have already had the provision of doula services, right? Um, through coverage. So what we're learning too is what we need folks to understand because folks will say, why just black infant, why African-American infant and maternal mortality is because we're the ones who are dying. We have the highest numbers. We have the issue. And once we are addressed, our health issues are addressed, it also impacts everyone else and they benefit too and their health outcomes improve. So when we can get to the same levels, then we can talk all. But right now we are the ones who are dying and it is important to address that. You mentioned the documentary. We are working on, this is, you know, outside of my job, I've been a partner with uh, a volunteer with Black Women for Wellness for over 20 something years. We're working on a documentary called Birthing While Black. And it's, you know, to go across the state, uh, Kaiser is a partner in that through our relationship with Sierra Health Foundation. Mm -hmm. And um, Kendra Montgomery Block was the one who supported us in that and also supporting us in the establishment of a relationship to be able to have the statewide data collection and convening with UCSF. So Jan can share more about that, but that is what has to be done. That is what is doing being done. When we had our opening ceremony, I closed with this on last week, we had the women of SCLC led by Pastor Timby Kile, uh, Crystal Coleman Smart, who came out with the ritual and did libations. You know, a lot of folks don't want to, every race has their own cultural beliefs and practices and why are we as black folks not able to do our practices that were learned from you know the motherland that were brought over here but they were you know stifled you know we weren't able to practice those but libations and, and exercising and yoga and breathing and calling on the ancestors and and prayer and all of that into action and learning about nutrition and dance and and meditation and so it was a great offering and event Mm -hmm. And yeah. it led out to this week, but then we we also saw the trauma that we have continuously experienced. Um, yeah. So I want to jump in there and say mm -hmm. that that there. The first thing I want to say is isolation is not your friend right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you if you cannot join a program, if you cannot come to an activity, just remember that isolation is not your friend. Everything we did this week 
we did on Zoom or live on Facebook or live on Instagram. And so we were able to let people uh, participate with us. But just remember that you cannot isolate yourself. Uh, it is not your friend because then what it does, it causes you to internalize all this stuff that is going on, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is not only can you not isolate, you got to talk about this, right? Talk about this with your children because your children see this going on too. Talk about it with your partners because they see it going on too. And we got to talk these feelings out, right? And if in that's the least you can do. But then you can take action too, right? Uh, over this weekend, I know that there were protests in Hollywood. Uh, and there's probably some more protesting. It has been a year of protests in actuality also that people have been out uh, protesting. They have been out making their outside voices heard that what is going on in this country is not okay. So talk about it. Don't isolate and then protest. And if you're not like the type that goes to the protest, then support somebody who does go to the protest. Fix them a backpack of food, do some childcare, you know, do something in that regard. And that's another thing you can do is educate yourself about what is going on. Please, please, please do not rely on mainstream media to give you the real story. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere else. Go to this podcast. Uh, Ajwa and I have a podcast. I'm just saying two black women with opinions. There are other podcasts because you need, we need to know what is going on in our community that we cannot be relying upon mainstream media. And when mainstream media tells us the story, they do it with their slant. Mm-hmm. For example, George Floyd is being put on trial for his own murder. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely ridiculous. What we should be doing is putting that other person on trial. What was his position? What was his history? What was his mind frame? Why did he he and those four other cops get to kill someone in cold blood on camera? What what is it about them that led up to this? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I want to say is that what I really think we need to do right now is to organize a national day of wailing for Black communities, not mourning, but wailing so we can get all of this out and into the air of all this loss, all this violence, all this stress that we are dealing with on the daily that we need to just wail out. So once we get that into the atmosphere, then we can start to take some action because it is not internalized in our body. Absolutely. Can I add Thanks something really quickly? No, no, Dr. Dr. Sand, I'm going to give you a minute because we, we, okay. we got to hear, you know, from you around some, you know, uh, some, you know, path, you know, uh, towards, you know, uh, healing. But let me just say, uh, thanks, Ajua and Jen, that, you know, it is no secret that institutional racism continues to be a very, very traumatic experience uh, for black people in, uh, the, uni- in the United States, uh, for all black indigenous and people of color. Uh, uh, so I think that that's just a fact that we have to, you know, uh, uh, realize, you know, the United States has lost its moral compass, period. 
you know, and it's lost its moral compass uh, uh, because it continues to, you know, uh, um, lives out of that, you know, a center of, of white supremacy. And, uh, and we know we have an administration uh, that is seeking to, you know, um, deal with that. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of pushback, you know, uh, uh, America First caucus that's being started now to promote, you know, Anglo-Saxon, you know, uh, values. We know what it values, you know, what it's grounded in. You know, uh, it's, it, it's grounded in white Anglo-Saxon Protestant theology, period. And, 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 and so, so that's a fact that we have to just realize. The other piece is, you know, proximity has power. And, uh, and, and I don't think we ought to explain nor be unapologetic when we do talk about Black Infant Mortality Week or using our experience as our point of departure. You know, if you have close proximity to an issue, uh, you know, that uh, directly uh, affects you, that's your place that you start to organize and mobilize from. So, uh, uh, so, uh, so it's not about being, you know, uh, exclusive. It is about being particular to the experience that we are familiar with and then organizing from there, you know, uh, uh, around that. And, and, uh, and if that's the, uh, 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 the closest place of pain, you know, uh, that then projects itself, you know, to what's actually going on with the national pain that's taking place, then it provides us, you know, with that point of departure. So that's very, very important. The other thing I want to say before I bring Dr. You know, Norton Sands in to, 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 to share with us some, uh, some more pathways, you know, towards uh, healing and wholeness, you know, is, you know, this whole piece that we as people of African descent you know, uh, need to be un- apologetic or we have to explain about some of our rituals, that is, uh, again, one of the tools of white supremacy, you see, to, uh, in so many ways, you know, uh, demean and, and pull down, you know, the rituals of our ancestors. And so that's very, very important. So, so I just want to make sure that we are, uh, are clear about that. You know, so when Jan talks about you know, wailing, and we talk about libation, you know, and all of that. That's an integral part of who we are, you know, uh, and us connecting uh, with our uh, ancestors and the spirituality and the faith uh, that they practiced, you know, around that. So, so I think that's just very, very important. You know, uh, the reason I think why systemic racism persists is because uh, it continues in so many ways to perpetuate you know, uh, the devaluing and demeaning, you know, uh, of the rituals, you know, uh, of uh, black folks and other people of color. And I think that's very, very important for us to, you know, uh, to realize, to realize around. I just wanted to make sure we mention that, you know, uh, because of how, you know, uh, we approach, you know, what we talk about and how we educate, you know, here at Faith Without, you know, Borders. It is at the intersection yeah, but there is a particular point of departure that we also want to lift up as we do the work that we seek to do. Uh, Dr. Norton Sands, you know, uh, with all of this, you know, uh, and isolation not being our friend, as Jan said, mm-hmm. you know, and the importance of, you know, um, uh, processing this, you see, you know, uh, which is so uh, uh, powerful, right, instead of projecting mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's your sense about some other pathways, you know, for awareness as well as uh, wellness? 
Absolutely. So first, I want to say, you know, in terms of the comment you made about America has lost its, its compass, I would say America has never had the compass, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, social justice and equality and, you know, you know, it's built on white supremacy and it still is. So mm -hmm. at America, as it has been developed, right, and as it was established and formed, it never had a compass, right, not, not to benefit us. And so that's part of wellness in terms of coping is recognizing our true history and recognizing this country and recognize systemic racism in all of our systems so that we see the impact that systemic racism has on our functioning, has on our mind, body, and spirit. Because when we don't recognize that, sometimes we can individualize it like, what's wrong with me? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, because you're in a system that's continuing to oppress you. So yes, you're going to be impacted in some way. So that's number one, is recognizing ways that social reality is impacting our functioning, right? Number two, in terms of, you know, what, what Jan talked about, you know, we need individual and collective healing. So Dr. Joy DeGruy in Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome talks about, you know, we're still living with the residual impact of slavery. We have never been able to fully acknowledge how we've been harmed and how we are continuing to be harmed from it. And we need collective healing. So when we think about, and we, we really embrace collective healing, you know, Jan talked about wailing, libation, right? Also thinking about what are some of our other ways of, of cultural healing? Singing, dancing, um, prayer, healing in community. Like those are all our cultural forms of healing that we have been taught to, oh, that's not, you know, how we should be, or there's something wrong with it. We have to re recognize again, that is a form of oppression to keep us suppressed and to not support our healing. So we need to number one, recognize that as well. And then for us to also, you know, in terms of connecting the dot, the dots, Pastor Saul, you know, as you were talking, um, we have been like chatting in the chat about how we're going to continue a partnership, how we're going to establish a partnership. So how can we, the mental health community, so the Black mental health community, how can we partner so that we're better aware of issues for Black women and Black families in relation to maternal mental health and infant mortality, all of these different issues? How can the Black mental health community be more aware of it? And how can we be better informed in terms of providing support to Black mothers and families? So I want to thank you for providing this forum because we're going to continue the work you know, in terms of our partnership. So, you know, again, number one, recognizing the impact that our society has on our wellness. Two, recognizing that there's a need for individual and collective healing and reconnect with our cultural forms of healing. And then how are we cultivating relationships and supporting advocacy, right? So Jan also talked about if you're not out protesting, you can still do things to support it. Right. Hmm. But what are we all doing to dismantle systemic oppression? So those are the top three. I have a lot of others, but I'll just stay with those three. <laughs> One thing is clear. You cannot be a spectator in uh, the fight that we're in right now. Uh, you got to uh, get in the game. You got to put some skin in the game, you know, as we, you know, uh, uh, do what we what we need to do. And uh, I want to just uh, appreciate, you know, uh, Ajua Jones and uh, Jan Robinson Flint, Dr. Uh, Kimani Noyington Sands for joining me today, you know, uh, as uh, we once again, 
you know, want to celebrate, you know, our black mothers, you know, uh, as they, you know, uh, 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 go through the challenges they're going through, yet maintain the love that they have for us, whether it's before birth, during birth, after birth, and even dealing with the trauma of police, you know, uh, brutality that we are you know, going through and acknowledge right now. That's been going on because we all know that, you know, our policing in America is directly connecting, connected to the system of slave, you know, uh, catching, you know, uh, that's been, you know, around, you know, for uh, almost 400 years in the United States. Jen, thank you for reminding us to trust black women and to listen to black women especially uh, black mothers around that. Isolation is not our friend. We got to move from isolation to conversation, right? So we can process what we are feeling, what we are going through, you know, because if you don't process it, guess what? You're going to project it and hurt people, hurt people. So we have to be aware of that. Education is key as well as action, right? Uh, uh, it's not just the more you know, right, or what you know, it's what you do with what you know. And uh, my hope and prayer is that as we examine this very, very important topic, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, our action moves us towards uh, collective healing uh, as we, you know, uh, learn and leverage the cultural and the spiritual you know, uh, um, uh, paths of healing that we have. That's what it's about, and uh, that's what Faith Without Borders is about, and I am just privileged to have the opportunity, you know, uh, uh, to connect and converse, you know, with, you know, uh, those who are, um, who make time, take time out of their schedules, you know, uh, to be a part uh, of these conversations. So I thank you, and uh, once again, uh, to my black mama, any souls, I say happy birthday. We miss you. We love you. And thank you uh, for all the trauma that you've overcome, right? In South Africa, dealing with uh, that system of white supremacy and racism called apartheid. And, uh, uh, and, and we are here today because of you. Thanks so much, Black Mamas. Know that uh, you are appreciated and loved. This has been Faith Without Borders, and uh, we'll see you. Um, uh, next time as we continue uh, to provide this progressive platform for thought-provoking dialogue that will result in solutions. Thank you so much. Peace.